welcome to Coward's Fury. This is Chris, and we're here at the case of Charles Starkweather and Carol Ann Fugit, or Fugate, as Charles likes to say, part two. But before we get started, please consider giving us a five-star rating, and maybe even think about supporting us on Patreon or Buzzsprout. All right, we're in for a quick recap. Up to this point, Starkweather has shot a man dead over a stuffed animal that the man wouldn't give him on credit. He murdered Carol's entire family, all before she got home from school. They hold up in her home for a few days before narrowly escaping and then murdering an old family friend and two unlucky teens who happened by when Starkweather got his car stuck in the mud again. They then stole the murdered teen's car and took off looking for more trouble. That brings us to Lincoln to pick back up with this bizarre case. They ended up at the home of C. Lauer Ward, an industrialist and politician in the wealthier part of Lincoln. Yeah. Yeah. C. Lauer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ward. Yeah, CLW. CLW. I heard him. Okay. Starkweather had known about the area from when he had worked as a refuse collector. In order to get into the property, Starkweather threatened the family's deaf and mute maid, Lillian Finkel. I think it's Finkel. uh, With a gun. But she's deaf. And mute. I guess you just like flash a gun at a a deaf mute maid. And they're like, yeah, you I You just got push it. him around. I mean, he's got a gun. She knows yeah. what a gun is. Once inside, he let uh, he led both Finkel and Clara Ward, because Clara Ward was home. That's Lauer Ward, CLW's wife, upstairs. Mrs. Ward's body was found in a bedroom on the floor. She had been stabbed uh, multiple times in the back, chest, and neck. Finkel's body was found in a different bedroom. She had wounds on her arms and cut on, cuts on her legs. She had been stabbed in the chest and stomach. Both were bound and gagged. When Mr. Ward returned home later that day, can you, oh my God, Starkweather shot him the minute he walked through the door. He was also stabbed, and his body was found just inside the front After door. After he was shot. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yep, so he didn't even, I, ugh. Anyway, it's unclear what Fugate's role, Fugate, what her role was or where she was during these murders. Fugit maintains that she had absolutely nothing to do with them. Starkweather claims that he left both women bound and alive, and if anyone did any stabbing, it would have been Fugit. You see what I'm saying? They just they're are... They're pretty far apart in their stories. They're pretty far apart in their stories. Absolutely. The couple robbed the ward's home of some small valuables and took off west, headed for Washington, where Starkweather's brother was living. Well, he had like six siblings to choose from, yep. so he's just going to ping pong around, sure. starting with the brother in Washington. Yep, why not? Yeah. Starkweather wanted to swap vehicles as it wouldn't be long before Ward's stolen Packard would be on police's radar. So when Starkweather saw a car pulled off to the side of the road near the turnoff to Ayers Natural Bridge, he stopped the car. And Ayers Natural, Natural Bridge is beautiful. You should definitely Google it. Um, it's really pretty. He approached the vehicle. Yeah, of- I go there a lot. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. He approached the vehicle of Merle Collison, who was 37, who was taking a nap from his traveling sales because he was a traveling sales person. He's like, I'm going to pull around a bridge and sleep. I would. And that spot, that'd be a beautiful spot to do At it. Least, and, and, you know, yeah. I mean, this guy's probably worked a lot. So Yeah. Well, he's a salesperson. He, um, he actually lived in Great Falls, Montana. Starkweather ordered the man out of the Buick. Wow. Did you hear that serious like Buffalo A come out there when I said man just now? No. Oh, that was rough. Starkweather ordered the man, not the man, out of the Buick. The man. Uh, the man. 
And when Collison refused, Starkweather shot him twice through the window of the, the glass window of the car. Starkweather would later say that Fugit took the final and killing shots, all seven of them. I I just don't think that's I, I cannot. I don't know. This, this a girl little girl who's 13, 14 years old. She could have had a lot of rage. She could have, but she didn't have she, she gets look she didn't have exposure to guns. It doesn't matter because what happens is she she's like didn't like get executed, so she didn't. Anyway, he claimed that Fugit was I gotta say this differently. He claimed that Fugate was the most trigger happy person, in quotes, he'd ever met. Fugit denies ever killing anyone. Starkweather tried to drive the car away, but the parking brake was engaged, something Starkweather had not encountered before, and the car stalled. Da-da-da-da-da-dum. Fugit was sitting in the back seat with Collison's body because there was too much blood in the front seat. Ugh. A milk truck driver, because this is back in the days when people had milk delivered, and also geologist Joe Sprinkle, another awesome name. Gotta love the Sprinkle. Mm Mm-hmm. Noticed Starkweather's struggle with the car and stopped off for help. Starkweather pulled his shotgun and pointed it at Sprinkle's face. Because why? He's stopping to help you. Ugh. Well, I guess you have a dead body and blood all over the place. Sprinkle, being the kind of guy only a Sprinkle could be, starts wrestling the gun away from Starkweather. At that moment, a Natrona County Deputy Sheriff, William Romer, drove up. Finally, there's a police officer. (laughs) He got out to investigate the apparent altercation and Fugit comes flying out of the car and running toward him, screaming, He's going to kill me! He's crazy! He just killed a man! Blah, 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 blah! So she's freaking out. Starkweather, realizing he was in a losing situation, probably the smartest thing he's ever realized, hastily drives off to try to make a getaway. Deputy Sheriff Romer calls for backup and confirms Starkweather's identity with Fugit. So Fugit's starting to, like, give it all up right away. Right. Authorities set up roadblocks and try to contain Starkweather, but Starkweather breaks through one of the roadblocks and a high-speed chase ensues with three officers. Natrona County Deputy Sheriff Romer, who we talked about already, Douglas Police Chief Robert Ainsley. So this is like the police chief. Chief's on it. Yep. And Converse County Sheriff Earl Heflin. Earl. Because that is what a county sheriff should be named. Earl Heflin. Or Cletus. Or yeah, or Cletus. Well, no, Cletus is always the deputy. I'm just telling you what I think. Speeds reach over 100 miles an hour, which in the 50s is impressive. Yeah, that, that's a dangerous speed in it, cars like that. Uh-huh. Heflin eventually fired shots, shattering Starkweather's windshield and cutting his ear. So this is like movie. This is a, this is a real deal. Yeah. So Starkweather, oh my God, this brings absolute new meaning to the word dipshit. Okay. Starkweather, seeing the bleeding from his ear that just got nicked, stopped his car and surrendered. Heflin said, quote, he thought he was bleeding to death. That's why he stopped. That's the kind of yellow son of bitch he is. Nice. I love Cletus. And you know what? Earl Heflin not only has one of the best names as for a county sheriff, but also the right kind of talk. He's got the right kind of, he's got one of the best quotes. He really does. He really does. All told, Starkweather, with or without Fugit's assistance, depending on which camp you sit in, murdered 11 people in the span of just 60 days. So Yeah, he was going strong. You know, he's what you would call a spree killer maybe versus a serial killer because he didn't really have any cooling off period. And there's no plan. 
Like there's no like it's anybody. Well, and a lot everybody. of serial it's killers. Anybody and everybody. But no, a lot so of serial, serial killers, killers like, don't target, have. Yeah, they don't have plans. But they they target a specific kind of person. Some of them did. Some of them do. Some of them don't. But okay, fair. It feels like they have. To, okay. This dumbass bloke here was just a spree. He was just like, I don't even know. Like there is no thought process. I'm just gonna go till somebody stops me. This bloke. What do you call a James Dean wannabe? A douche. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you there. After their arrest, Starkweather initially admits to everything and says that Fugit was his hostage and un- an unwilling victim. So this is his first story. But upon hearing that Fugit had turned on him, he goes on to change his story multiple times, implicating Fugit as a willing and enthusiastic participant. Fugit has maintained her innocence, though her story was initially a bit shaky and had some holes in it. She always maintained that she feared Starkweather, because who wouldn't, honestly? And so she did whatever he told her to do. She said that she went with Starkweather out of fear and believing that she was keeping her family safe as they were being held by hostage, right? Like, so remember, according to her, when she came home from school that first day, he had told her, I've taken your family elsewhere, but somebody else has them. If you don't come with me and help me, they're all going to die. Right. So. That, you don't know. Yeah. This is according to what she's saying. She said she didn't know that her family was killed until the evening of her arrest. So that whole time, over that 60-day period, she believed her family was still alive, according to her. She was prescribed a sedative by the doctor on duty because she was crying inconsolably while in custody. However, it would be discovered later that Fugit had actually seen about the murder of her family in the newspaper at the ward's house and had cut out the articles about the murders. That's kind of like a confusing detail. No, it just means she lied. Well, of course, she was 14. She had turned 14. But at 14 and seeing your boyfriend murder multiple times, I, how could we really know how She could have been would... upset because she was caught. She could have been upset because right. she didn't know. She could be upset because or, she was processing it. Or maybe she was like, it. holy shit, my family. It's hard to tell. I won't even speculate. I, you can't. That's the thing. She's 13, 14 years old. So, so Starkweather, I mean... What's what? What's going on here? It's well, 19, what what? It's nineteen. We're in nineteen fifty eight. Fifteen. Now. So like this happens really fast. Yes. Yeah. He actually chose to be extradited from Wyoming to Nebraska. Both uh, both parties of the couple arrived back in Nebraska in January of nineteen fifty eight. Uh, Starkweather was indicted for the murder of Robert Jensen only. At the time, it was reasoned that if they failed to get a conviction, they had, you know, nine other bodies to try him on. Right. I kind of like it. We're going to keep it simple. Right. Because remember, the 11th victim was actually in Wyoming. So Nebraska can't try him for the Wyoming sure. murder. Starkweather's attorney, William, I'm going to butcher this name, but I'm going to go for it. Matt's Chulat. Matt's Chulat? Matt's Chulat. I don't know. but William M. Bill. And T. Clement Gone pled Starkweather not guilty by reason of insanity, yeah, arguing man. yeah, arguing that Starkweather's IQ was, quote, only a point or two above idiot. He saw a spelling. What? The note that he left earlier. Oh, no, he didn't write the note. It would later be stated from a psychologist named Nathan Greenbaum, and I'll post a link in the show notes. It's kind of a fascinating read um, on Starkweather's psychological profile for the time in the 50s that his IQ was actually 97, which is well within normal range. Prior to that, Starkweather refused the insanity defense, saying, quote, nobody remembers a crazy man. I, it makes you sort of wonder what his thought process was there. <laughs> nobody remembers a crazy man? 
He wants to be remembered for this. He wants to so, go. So, like, what are his? What is his real IQ? Is really the question. I think it's ninety-seven. I think he was well within the normal range. Okay. There was nothing in his past that anyone pointed to as far gotcha. as like having trouble in school, that kind of thing, other than with bullies. In the end, Starkweather was convicted of the murder of Robert Jensen and sentenced to death. And so, remember, this is in Nebraska. He would give interviews telling reporters that he hated people. You touched on that earlier. There's a couple quotes. Right. Because people would look down on him for being poor. And here's a final quote. He said, after killing the wards and their maid, quote, oh, you already said this one. Dead people are all on the same level. You're right. Oh, yeah. You did it. You hit the nail on the head. Starkweather got right on down to that level himself. Actually, let me give you another quote. Ah, Lay it on me. I always wanted to be a criminal, but not this big a one. Wow. That's some deep ass shit right there. <laughs> Is it? No, it's not. It's horrible. He uh, he joined his little people on the same level because he died by electrocution at 12.04 on June 25th, 1959. Because back in those days... You didn't get 30 years before you died. Think about it. He, he committed his first crime in, like, what, December 1st, 1957? Mm-hmm. So that's it. That's it. Good job, justice system. Yep. I'm just saying. By some accounts, when you read, when you research this, it took three rounds of 2,200 volts passing through his body and four minutes to finish the job. He deserved far worse than that, in my opinion. Starkweather offered no last words, but in a letter to his parents from prison, he wrote, quote, But Dad, I'm not real sorry for what I did, because for the first time, me and Carol have more fun. That's it. What an ass. What about Fugate? So Fugate, the courts did not believe her story that she was a hostage. The judge felt that she had too many opportunities to escape and run away. She was 14. I, I don't know. She was convicted as an accessory and sentenced to life in prison the youngest female in U.S. history to be tried for first-degree murder and sentenced to life. Yeah. Yep. She spent 17 and a half years behind bars before being released in 1976 due to good behavior and a change in the law regarding minors sentenced to life. She eventually settled in Lansing, Michigan, where she found work as a medical aide. So she's doing fine. In She's still around. In 2007, she married Frederick Clare, but that too would end in tragedy. In 2013, the Clares were in a terrible auto accident when their SUV went off the road. Fugit survived. Clare did not. Fugit remained diligent in her innocence and placed multiple requests for pardons to the Nebraska Pardons Board, but each of her requests has been den- wow, but each of her requests has been denied. Fugit had several people write in support of her pardon, including family members of the victims. Like, they believe she did not have anything to do with this. The Nebraska Pardons Board denied that pardon, citing that the role of the pardon board is to restore a felon's rights, not to absolve them of crimes. So that's kind of a technicality, and unfortunately, that's a correct technicality. Their job's not to absolve them of crimes. She's out of jail. She doesn't need a pardon. Starkweather and Fugit's case inspired the films The Sadist, California, Natural Born Killers, and Starkweather. Also, Bruce Springsteen's song Nebraska is a first-person-based narrative of the story, and the case appears in other television shows and songs. 
So that's a lot. That is a lot. Over the years, there has been much debate about whether or not Fugit was a willing participant. There are some things that I I just want to kind of go through when considering this. So first, at the time of her arrest, Fugit's story was shaky, but she never wavered in her declaration of innocence. Stark weathers changed a whole bunch of times. The neighbors of Fugit said that they had seen Fugit come home from school one day and Starkweather greeted her on the porch and they hadn't seen Fugit again. So I think that that corroborates the fact that Fugit wasn't there when Starkweather first got to her house and that Starkweather killed her family. Now, whether she knew he was going to do that or not, I don't know. But I don't think she was there. Okay. However, there were several visitors, right, including the police who came to the Bartlett home during the six days that Fugit and Starkweather were kind of holed up there, Fugit had ample opportunity to alert them that something was wrong. I don't know. Or was she too young? Did I, I mean, you, you think about a 13-year-old kid, are they going to know, have the presence of mind to be like, help me? Another thing is she, when she saw the law enforcement officer that came and pulled the, tried to pull them over at the very end, she ran to the law enforcement officer, and Starkweather took off without her. According to Carol Fugit, she tried to leave subtle clues that something wasn't right so as to hopefully alert someone without tipping off Starkweather what was going on. Right. One of those was the sick note that she had left on the front door that we talked about when she spelled things wrong and signed it with her two-year-old sister's name rather than her own. She thought that would have been enough to alert people that, like, something's amiss. She had... No history of violent or antisocial behavior. Starkweather had plenty. Yeah. Yeah. Fugit's apparent lack of emotion during her trial, because she was like stone cold, like stone faced, um, unfortunately did not work in her favor. Psychology was not what it was back then as it is today. And some mental health professionals believe that she was suffering from some type of PTSD. Like who wouldn't? And oftentimes that means like a shutdown of outward emotion um, shock and numbness, right? You, sure. You, you just can't function. And a lot of people feel like that's what was going on with her and in her head when she was dealing with this whole process. One of the most fascinating websites I visited, like when I was doing all this research, was the Nebraska History site, which I'll post in the show notes. There are examples of the actual questioning of Starkweather, writings in his own hand, and the psychological evaluation of Starkweather. And a bunch more documents, and I spent way too much freaking time on that site. But it was fascinating. And you can read through the questions they asked him, how he answered. And you can actually watch him get tripped up in his own words. So I don't know where you sit at the end of all of this. I absolutely did a lot more research than you did. So I'm curious as to what your thoughts are. I know clearly Starkweather did all of this shit. But where do you sit with Caroline Fugit? Do you think... First of all, how old is Caroline Fugit today? How old is she today? Yeah, she's 80, 79, yeah. 80. Yeah, yeah, So this is crazy. So she lives in Ohio mm-hmm. right now, right? So that's that's nuts, in my opinion. What do I think? Yeah. I think she knew what was going on. The whole time? Do you think she was a willing participant? I think she could have escaped. And I think she knew it was up. And I think she was probably scared of the guy. 
I mean, you know, I don't think she was like all excited about it, but I could be wrong because I, I, I didn't read the case files. Like, I don't know enough about it. It's just a gut feeling. So I think that I think she knew that he was going to go and either bully or hurt or even murder her family. You think so? I do. I, I do think that she was aware of what was going to happen to her family. Um, I think she was caught up in the moment and caught up in, you know, the heat of their passion. And it's interesting because, you know, there are different accounts of whether they were sexually active with each other or whether they were not. According to her, they were not. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, she was 13 years old when they, you know, when, when he murdered her parents. So... And her little baby sister. Right. You know, 13's young, but you it hear you hear about that happening. So I I do think she knew something was going to happen with her family. I, do I think she knew the extent of it? I don't know. Um, I think she didn't have much to do. I don't think she pulled the trigger on anybody. I just don't. No. I think she was an accomplice for sure. But I don't think that she did the deeds that Starkweather said she did. Um because I think his first account was truthful because he was still caring for her at the time. And he's like, no, 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 I did all this. You know, she was there. She was willingly there, but she didn't do it. Right. Um, you know, do I think that she was not willing to be there? I don't know. I think it got way out of hand and she had no idea how out of hand it was going to get. How could she possibly know? She was young. I'll give her that. So and there's a lot of people that do a lot of heinous things or awful things are mm-hmm. wrapped up in bad things when they're 13 or 14. It's true. It's none of it's okay. So I don't know. I, I, I guess my opinion is I'm not sure. <laughs> I know, right? She had an idea. I don't know. She served time. She did. I, I, I don't know what to say. You know, I it, mean, it, she served what 17 and a half years at the end of the day. I think, you know, the, I what think the families the, believe is probably what matters most for sure. Not what I believe. No, I agree with you. It's and, the families, you know, yeah. it is the, 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 uh, wow. It's it's the impact on them that matters the most. Absolutely. Um, and But it I think it's very telling that some of the family members of some of the, the victims came forward to support her. And, you know, I, I think 17 and a half years, frankly, was probably reasonable for being an accomplice. I don't think she killed anybody. I really don't. Um, I think she was there. I think... She didn't do what she could have done to end things quicker, which means that maybe she holds some responsibility for some of the deaths that occurred because she didn't stop things, you know, but do I think she killed anybody? I don't. I don't. Yeah. So that's a crazy story. Now, this story obviously has been covered by a lot of things, and and we normally don't do big name stories, but this one to me really fascinated me. Um. You know, because Carol Ann was so adamant about the fact that she was there because she just was so scared. And I think about, you know, kids at that age, and I, I would get it. I would get yeah, it. I don't sure. know how strong or brave I could be. A lot, a lot to unpack. So, natural born killers, were they in fact Bonnie and Clyde, premeditated planning, duo? Or were they on opposite sides of the spectrum where one was a natural born killer and another was just a victim? Let us know your thoughts. Give us a five-star rating. Blah, 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 blah.
Have a good day. And if you know anybody named Pansy Street, please email me. Or anyone with the other name. What was the other name? Sprinkles? Yes. If you know anyone with the name of Sprinkles, they're probably pretty cool. They are. I knew somebody with the name Moneymaker and another person with the name Picklesworth. That has to be one of my favorites. Picklesworth. Legit. Wow. When I was a teller at a bank a thousand years ago. Anyway. That's so cool. I don't know how cool it is, but it was... I don't know anybody interesting at all. I don't know how interesting they were, but their names were interesting. Oh, and Wigglesworth. I'm not kidding you. I know someone named Smith. Well done. Was that the beaver hunter? Yes. <laughs> That's what I thought. All right, folks. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Check out our show notes where you can find links to help support us. But definitely get the word out. Let folks know we're here. It really helps a lot. Thanks so much. See you next time. Bye.